Welcome to the PB&J podcast. This will not be televised. Whether you agree with us or not, we invite you to be curious, become empowered, conduct your own research, and gain personal confidence with the goal of improving your overall health and wellness. For health topics and questions, we encourage everyone to consult their physician to discuss the best care and treatments for their personal situation. Hey, Jay, how you doing today? Hey, Pam, hanging in there. How about you? I'm doing well. Well, today's episode, this is a good subject for us because we talked about this uh, last week uh, about microplastics and, and plastics we find in our foods and it's in our clothes. You know, stopping plastic is kind of like it's it's a global challenge. It's not just here in the U.S. where we are, but it's everywhere. So because we do a lot of exports of products overseas. And so whatever we're producing here, they're getting it over there as well. But then you look at, you know, water bottles and and sponges and clothes, all these things kind of contain plastics. And then we need to look at the health risks or the health impacts of plastic on the on the human body right so i'm gonna i'm gonna interrupt you for a second pam please do i i put together a list and this list is not comprehensive at all but if you think about all the plastic that is in our lives Mm -hmm. uh, we've got grocery bags we've got eyeglasses that are made of plastic we've got makeup containers lawn furniture packing filler buttons uh plumbing parts your plumbing pipes are plastic I said right. that plumbing pipes are plastic. <laughs> um, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, just like you said, beverage containers, food containers, uh, microwave containers. If you are getting some convenience foods and throwing them in the microwave, those packages packages are usually plastic. Mm-hmm. Um, your pill and vitamin bottles, cups, utensils, textiles, windows, dinnerware, health and medical supplies. When you go to the hospital, you go to the doctor's office. Look at how much plastic is there. So baby bottles, baby food containers. So uh, you're right. There's plastic all over the place. And it's not just the United States. If you go, if you travel, mm-hmm. uh, if anyone's done any basic traveling, I'm not talking, you know, some kind of expensive place, but just your normal Caribbean islands. There's right. plastic all over there too. And there's plastic trash all That's over the place. True, 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 true. Yeah, because I saw a... I saw a video about the Hawaiian Islands and it's almost like become a a central dumping place because of the way that the waters come in, you know, so they're getting all this stuff on the beaches and and it's just amazing and fascinating to me. The bad part about it is the plastics don't break down. It's not biodegradable. Right. And and they've tried uh, based on what I've read and assuming that it's true, Mm -hmm. Uh, They have tried to make some plant-based plastic type things that are biodegradable, but I think the process is so expensive that it's not widespread because what they have out now is all, you know, petroleum-based products that turn into plastic. And they probably got it down to a science that makes it so easy to generate plastic. You know, why should they bother with something that's more uh, environmentally friendly? Now, I agree because, you know, plastic is cheap. Yeah, it's cheap. And so they can keep their costs down. You know, these manufacturers can keep the costs down. They're going to do every way they can to do so. And so it, I don't think there's 
they're really looking at the lens of the consumer. It's more of as far as health benefits or environmental benefits. Yeah. You know, it's more of the what's driving the bottom line of profit, you know, and and I'm not here it is. I We're not here to kind of shut down manufacturers and, you know, tote that banner that they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, even though they could be doing better. You know, but the thing is that if they're not conscious, you don't have a, a, any sort of consciousness about how you're putting your product out there, just making it look more attractive or more usable, then that's what it is, you know. And it's funny, Jay, you talked about that because in EcoWatch um, back in August, which I, I came across, they did an uh, article um, that was done. It was a research team at the University of California, Berkeley. And what they did was they started to figure out how is it that we can make plastics biodegradable. And it's, it's kind of ironic the way they did it because they found out, and this amazed me, that humans toss about 6.3 billion tons, metric tons of plastic. And this has been going on since the 1950s. And, and 600 of that is, is actually being, 600 million is actually being recycled, which means that that leaves us with about four, close to five, that's that ends up in landfills. And so the thing is, the process that they came up, they decided, okay, how can we make plastic biodegradable, you know, so that it's part of nature? And they looked at, at nature to actually find the answer. So in the wild, I'm just going to kind of give you an overview quick. Um, in the wild, you know, like when um, there's an enzyme that basically, you know, birds, fowl, you know, uh, animals use enzymes to break things down, you know, as well as plants and, and trees and, and, and our whole ecosystem are, have these enzymes that can break them down, um, you know, break down whatever they need to break down in their bodies. But this enzyme is also the reason why humans' bodies decompose naturally. So they took the, the enzyme and, and they focused on um, polyester and it's called polylactic acid. And so they've taken that and, and it's a way that it takes this enzyme, this eating enzyme that breaks down plastic and they found that they can actually activate it just in water. Right. And, and I'm did you see that? I'm going to interrupt you because I have read something similar. If you've ever, uh, if anybody, any of our listeners or you, Pam, have ever seen the articles on the garbage patch mm. there in the Pacific Ocean, there is something called the garbage patch, which is an accumulation of plastics, uh, not just plastic bags, but plastic bottles, plastic fishing line, plastic everything mm. that is created like uh, a plastic island. And when, uh, so EPA says that approximately eight to 12 million metric tons of plastic produced end up in the oceans. And that was a 2018. Wow. So they did research similar to what you're talking about, about mm. um, 
how there's some kind of bacteria, something in the water now that they have noticed that is actually digesting the plastic. Probably not mm. at a rate, probably not at a rate that is making a big difference, but oh my gosh, you know, what a concept if they could find the bacteria that could digest the plastic as, as you were talking about, you know, the enzymes. Right, exactly. And break it down because, you know, the thing is with plastic, even though a plastic can, plastics can be broken down, they, you know, over time, they, okay, they erode like anything else, they erode, but they just become microplastics, you know, right. tiny, tiny or just tinier pieces of plastic that's easier to, to ingest by not only humans, but by birds, you know, well, by fish. fish, by, yeah. yeah like by, great fish you're eating. It's got ab- like little pieces of plastic. Absolutely. You after you eat them. Cause they're not going to go away just cause you cook the fish. Right. Absolutely. So sometimes you have to wonder, Jay, you know, like really how much, how much plastic are we humans yeah. consuming, you know, daily? I don't so, have that answered. So yeah, do you? I, no, I don't either. And I can tell you what I've read. It's not just digestion, but it's also inhalation. Mm. Um, so when you think about uh, just like you were talking about degrading um, an erosion of plastic and it becoming micro and nanoparticle plastic, those things Say it's, a, um, say it's a, a plastic cover on your mattress. Your mattress mm-hmm. is made partly of plastic or your, your sofa or your chair. And so each time you sit on it and that little degradation, those little particles that you can't see, you know, they're microscopic, you're right. actually inhaling them too. And so what you are inhaling uh, could conceivably go into your lungs. So... Mm-hmm. Um, or outside, say you're outside uh, working in the yard and you've got, you're near water and, and plastic is, you know, now in the soil and, and you're right. raking or you're digging or whatever. So it's not just ingestion, it's inhalation too. And so uh, Absolutely. I don't think most people think about that. No. And, and you know, and it, this is the bad part is it's hard to control. Yeah. It's hard to control even in your own environment. Yes. Because you and I have talked about this. I went from plastic and I started buying all these glass containers. Right. Right. Which, of course, now, mind you, they have plastic tops. Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, once in a while, once in a while, they find with a metal top. But that's so unusual. So, it so is. Th- think about when when we were growing up mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure it was the same where you grew up as it was for me, but there used to be milk deliveries. Yes. Where you would have milk delivered in glass bottles with metal tops. Yes. They were like um, the the kind that, that you had a, a little hook thing over to keep the the, the milk from right from keep some, it sealed. sealed. Right. I don't know what those things are called. Those, <laughs> little, those caps with the little hooky things on there that, yeah. that pressed it down and then you popped it back up. Um, same, same thing with uh, soda bottles. They were all bottles with metal caps. That's they true. weren't plastic back then. No, no. no. And, and the bottles themselves, by the bottles being glass, you know, and for some reason, uh, you know, when you had your milk delivered, it was always cold. 
Oh, always cold. Always cold. Oh, you know? always cold. Always fresh. Always, <laughs> always cold. fresh. Always fresh. Always cold. And it was like, yeah. So we have, uh, yes, plastics have made things more convenient. Yeah, well, we're a disposable society of convenience. If Absolutely. That's just my opinion. Yeah, and, and it just ends up getting, there's no way of recycling this stuff to make it renewable. You know, because of the fact that I was surprised there's about 55,000 um, chemicals that are in plastic and 11 of them are harmful to not all, to our bodies, to not only our, it's to our endocrine system, as well as our metabolism. So I was like really shocked when I read an article that they are now looking at. And this was a recent article uh, back in. I think August of 22, that they are now linking the ingestion of plastic in the body to weight gain. Oh, I, that would surprise me because of the endocrine, because of the chemicals in the, uh, yeah. Yeah. And see what is happening in our body. Our body is actually converting our different cells to become fat forming cells because of the fact that they, they see this, this plastic right? As something that they need to, to use for fat. And so right. it's actually retaining. I was like, ah, that's not a good thing. No. And, and, you know, when you were talking about, uh, when you, when we had our other podcast on liver and how mm-hmm. you were talking about how it filters, I don't know that the liver filters plastic. It does it. That's just it. It does it because so. it's, it's a foreign sub. It's a foreign substance, right, right? You know, and so that's what the liver's intent is. Anything that is harmful, it will not process because it's not part of its mineral nutrients that it, that the body needs. So you get to the point, you go, okay, so really, how much? And because it's non-biodegradable. Uh, then how much do we actually have in our bodies at the time of death, you know, or Um, even now, you know? Well, and and think about this too. So think about the medical devices that are, as you get older and everything starts falling apart and uh, (laughs) hip joints, I don't think they're all metal. I'm pretty sure. And I don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure that there are some, parts that are put into your body, whether it's your knees or your shoulders or your hips that are some type of plastic mixed with some kind of metal, something, something. Right. So you, so you've got something that's like residing, you know, to replace something that's plastic. Yeah, absolutely. And just like they came up with this new um, process of, and I don't know if it's been approved by FDA because I think the approval was, they were supposed to release it in, in 2023 of using this type of gel that they discovered um, for, for joint replacements. Right. But how much of that gel replacement is actually plastic? You know, and <laughs> I, I know, know right? I know. <laughs> right. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So it may be a quick fix to not have to go through the process of having your, your knee reconstructed, you know, because the, the gel supposedly they can inject it into right. Your- it cushions like your normal, your Cut. what what normally is there that goes away that gets right, yeah. exactly. So it's just, you know, I don't know if we can ever get away from the use of plastics, 
but maybe it's just a way that we need to start thinking about the plastics that we do have and, and the way we're using them. Because I know people that um, who still use plastic and will actually heat their food up in the plastic container because it says that it's microwavable safe. Right. Absolutely. And, and so I'm glad you said that because that's a good segue into what um, I wanted to mention here that I just found this morning as I was plinking around and it was talking about um, how to check for the best food grade plastic containers to avoid BPA. And I think people, I think your average person has heard about BPA and oh no, don't use plastic that's got BPA because, you know, leaches into your food, and blah, 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 blah. Um, but this Assuming you know that this is accurate, and I think it is, um, it says that the safest plastic containers for food are numbers one, two, four, and five. And so, mm-hmm. if you look at the bottom of your containers in the little triangle that you need a magnifying glass to see, by the way, right? Um, <laughs> if it says one, two, four, and five, supposedly they are BPA free. Um, mm. Those products that have three, six, and seven typically do contain BPA. Um, and that, that BPA uh, are usually polycarbonates, according to this article. They contain BPA to add give to the rigid plastic, reducing cracks and breaking. Uh, it says if plastic is rigid and transparent, odds are it's polycarbonate and contains BPA. So um, oh. soft, flexible, and cloudy plastic containers are less likely to contain BPA. So I thought that was pretty interesting. So when you're talking about um, heating things up and the transference of chemicals into your food or something sitting in your car, say you just bought bottled water and yes. it's 90 yes. degrees outside and inside your car, it gets to 200. Right. Well, it's, we're talking about the same thing, that heat and the transference of potentially, uh, you know, the, har- the chemicals harmful into, chemicals right into your, into your drink or your food. Yeah. And you're doing it all the time. I mean, I, went to a restaurant, actually ordered online. And I thought that the fish would not be, they gave it to me in a styrofoam container. That's, oh, how, yeah. that's how it was delivered. I was like, of all things at all times, hot fish, hot grease in the styrofoam so that you could actually see dents in the styrofoam because yes. of the fact that there was, I was like, oh my gosh. So as much as we would like to avoid, you know, certain are con- these contaminants that come from plastics, it is almost virtually impossible to do so. And, and it's so funny you, you mentioned styrofoam because I know people, I think my dad was doing this, <laughs> but I know mm-hmm. people who actually heat things up in styrofoam. Uh, so, yes. I was like, what are you doing now? Right. <laughs> Right. Why not? I don't understand. Right. It doesn't melt. It's it doesn't okay. melt. I'm like, no, it's a really bad idea. Don't do that. Yeah. So yeah. there are people who do heat things and and I'm including coffee cups. Oh, so absolutely. Coffee cups, right? I yeah. Mean, I and can't tell you how many people I've seen who have heated things up in their styrofoam coffee cups. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm glad that a lot of gas stations are now trans, you know, have now gone from styrofoam to paper, but yes. understand this, the inside of that coffee cup is lined in plastic. So it doesn't leak. 
So, so yeah. <laughs> right. So remember, so reach back into the cobwebs of your mind again, when mm-hmm. we were, you know, cause I time travel right back to the sixties. Right. Um, when we had paper cups, because we did have paper cups. Yes. They would line them in wax. You yes. remember that? They yes. weren't lined in plastic. They were lined in wax. Same thing with straws. We had right. paper straws, but they were lined, lined in, in wax. wax. Right. And they work perfectly fine. I was going to say. They were just <laughs> they, fine. They were fine. And the thing is that, yeah, we probably adjusted the wax and the wax was probably not good for us. But I don't know of anybody who actually suffered from something or it suffered from a, a disease or incident that was because of their use of wax. I think that's, right? I think it goes, I think that is filtered out. I think that comes out wax because it, it's, and you want to, and you and I talked about soluble. this, you remember the wax candy we used to. Oh yeah. Eat, uh, you know, the, the wax Halloween lips, right? right? Right. I mean, who didn't eat that wax? Absolutely. And the little soda bottles that and they the had. And the soda bottles filled with that <laughs> mystery that liquid. Right. Who, who knows what that liquid was? Right. If anything's exactly. going to kill us, it was probably that mystery liquid. But yes, indeed. <laughs> but yes, ingested it, chewed on it. You know, didn't right. necessarily eat it, but you know, we got it. You know, oh, piece, you know pieces and parts <laughs> made it down. Absolutely, yeah. the juice was so sweet. Oh, it was. It was oh. so, so much. It was like so small, but the juice was so sweet. It was like ah, you know. Just, it was terrible. The amount of sugar, whatever they put in those things had to have been so high. It's, it's, it's unbelievable that we didn't have diabetes or some other kind of sugar related something when we were children because of the amount of sugar that are children's products and children's foods. I know, but I don't remember a high incidence of diabetes, child diabetes during that time. And so I know that the, the sugar has now the the processing of the sugar that they do now, um, you know, we're getting what we get, you know, yeah. it's as yeah. simple as that. It, it's like, it's, it's filled with other stuff other than straight sugar cane. And then you have to think about our ecosystem has changed dramatically. You know, we have all these chemicals that go into our, our groundwaters and, and it's feeding the plants and it's feeding the animals and, so, like I said, it, no matter what we do, as conscious as we can be, there has to be a, a larger global effort. And surprisingly enough, I came across this, this article, um, and it was it's by the University of Australia, I think. Yeah, Australia. And so what they, they have done is they're using remote sensing. So almost like a GPS for plastics. Right. Right. And so it doesn't matter the size, the shape, the color or the even the whether it's a a microplastic, it will pick it up. It picks it up on on a GPS on a satellite so that what they're doing is they're taking that information and they're giving it to to groups, cleanup groups globally. They're mapping it out to see where it all was at. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, you know, at least there's an effort on that side trying to. I'll bet you that garbage patch is in that. I'll bet you that. (laughs) You look at that Pacific garbage patch. I'll bet you that lit up that screen like nobody's business. I'm sure. But you know, the way they were doing it before was basically these vessels would, you know, travel in and out of these, these ports and that's, and they would get their reports from those vessels. Now, here it is. Check. 
if I'm not a if I'm not being paid to track trash, <laughs> how much reporting do you really think was going on during that time? During this time, because it's it's still in, in you know it's still in use the way they they are tracking you know using vessels to actually track the trash. But it's like now this is a better way of doing it where you actually have remote sensing and they can actually look and, and map out where the largest amounts of, of plastics are, even those microplastics, the things that we don't see that's in the rocks and in the sands. So, well, yeah. And, and so you, you're bringing up a really, you know, we're talking about waters again, too. And you think about all of the all of the ships whether they be cargo containers that lose some of their cargo because of a storm or whatever, where everything in it, you know, ends up in the ocean or at the bottom of the ocean. And you think of maybe some cruise ships who accidentally dispose of garbage right. while they're <laughs> at sea. And you think of right. people who on their yachts or on their sailboats or whatever, they mm-hmm. decide, oh, well, you know, this is just one bag of trash. How, how bad can it be? And they dispose of that. And so cumulatively over the years, that's got to be, I mean, that remote sensing thing that you're talking about is probably picking up so much. It's probably pretty scary. Yeah, exactly. But it's it's enough to draw attention, hopefully, you know, um, and, you know, we're not the powers who make the decisions, you know, but at the same time. We, we should, should be, be. <laughs> but we're not. <laughs> we're not. We're not. But at least we can bring light to the situation and help our listeners to understand that, you know, we all have a, a certain responsibility. And I, I think the main responsibility is one to take care of our own environments. You know, yes. um, unfortunately, like here in, in my area, they we can't put plastic bags in the recycle. Not even at the grocery store. You can take you could take them to the grocery store and put it in that recycling box. That's where I take. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing here. Right. That's what I do. And and otherwise I get paper when I go grocery shopping. Absolutely. So you wonder and, and I have to wonder what are they? How are they recycling those bags? Oh, do you think they are? I'm just right. I, I just I. If if the if the recycling companies aren't taking them, yes. you know, where are these bags going? And so yeah. I, you just kind of go, wow. Um, and, and the thing is, if you put a plastic bag in your recycling can, they put a notice on your door. Oh, you're kidding! <laughs> no, here they put a notice on your door as as a warning. <laughs> They're gonna get the recycling police knocking at your door next. Right. Getting ready to arrest you for daring to put a plastic bag in your recycling container. Absolutely. I, you know, I wrote a uh, a note to Walmart recently because when I went to pick up for curbside, what I was talking to you about earlier, uh, Mm -hmm. going grocery shopping and doing the curbside pickup, they, what they could have fit into six plastic bags, Mm. they use like 16 because they put one item per bag for some items. And I was like, Absolutely. really? Do you really have to do that? <laughs> so, you know, I was on my little, my rampage for, for ranting about the environment. And I said, why don't you guys go back to paper bags? Cause Absolutely. I can use my paper bags to hold my recyclables. You know, I, yeah. I don't know. I just, 
but that's my soapbox. No, but no, but I I I feel the same way. Just like I go in the grocery store and they ask you, do you want paper or plastic? And I'll look at my grocery cart. Now, if I only have one item in there or two or three items, I'll say just put it in the plastic. Why are you gonna waste a whole grocery bag? But if I look at my grocery cart and I'm like, uh uh-uh, I'm not carrying all the groceries, y'all gonna put one or two items in there, and I'm gonna end up with all these bags that I have to take from my car into the house, and then I have to put these grocery bags into another bag to figure out how am I going to use them or to drop them off at the grocery store. Now, here it is. Most people, if they bring a plastic bag in the house, instead of going to get a grocery bag, right? For something small, what is the first thing you grab? You don't grab a paper bag, right? You grab a plastic bag. And it's just habits we build up over time because in fact, plastic has made our society so convenient. Yes. Well, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back into the 60s. Absolutely. See, because I time travel all the time and I think about my mom. <laughs> right. And she her putting paper bags, even if she had to double them into our 13 gallon yep, trash, trash can. Trash Yes, indeed. And and that's that was our trash can. We didn't have plastic bags. We didn't, and, yeah. And yet we survived, right? We, we survived. <laughs> we survived. It was okay. And if um, the plastic bag got wet, what you do? You take another plastic bag and put it inside, put it right? Inside it, exactly. It's, you know, it's not it's not rocket science here. Right. But the thing is, plastic bags will break down, and they will, you know, they they will degrade over time. You know, whereas plastic is a forever bottle, forever thing. It stays with us. For ages, eons. And so it's no way that we can actually, at this point, there's no way that we can recycle as much as, even though we're doing a good job on recycling, I'm not going to take away from that, but it's no way that we can do enough to actually make a large enough impact at this time that it would benefit not only us as humans, but the entire ecosystem. So you are so you're so right. And here's another thing, too. So think about because it's all about the money. You know, mm-hmm. I say that all the time. It's all about the money. Okay. What is going to be more economical and more uh, profitable to companies to take used plastic items and reprocess them to make more plastic items or to take fresh petroleum byproducts and make them brand spanking new? Yeah, it's right. not in their it's not in their best interest profit wise to to take the the old used stuff and mm-hmm. reprocess it and separate it and all the other stuff that they have to do to clean it and and reshape it and all that other stuff. Right. Then, it, then just taking you know fresh off the press um, petroleum product byproducts and making new stuff. Right. And so it's it's supply and demand, and it's all about the money. It's all about the money. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, I I agree that some of the, uh, you know, some the processes that they do now, we know they're cheap, they're cheaper, the packaging processes. But at the same time, it's like, how do you go from the way we're doing things now to the way we need to do things? And I'm glad that we have enough young people who yes. are more concerned about the environment and the ecosystem than 
ever before. You know, anytime you have kids out there doing whatever they can to clean up the the shorelines and, and, you know, volunteering to, you know, help out, you know, where they can as far as recycling projects, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we're at that point. Thing is, how long will it take us to get there? Well, yeah, I, it's, that's a really good point. And, and I would say it's all going to be a, a corporate responsibility kind of a thing where you see there are some, there are some corporations out there now mm-hmm. that are more responsible environmentally than they ever were before. Even, and I'm going to use Amazon as an example, a lot of people don't like Amazon. I've noticed mm-hmm. on their boxes that they say this box does not use as much material as it used to yes. because they're using different, uh, more environmental friendly packaging. However, with that said, mm-hmm. because, you know, I'm always saying it's all about the money. Right. Right. <laughs> I, I wonder if they did that because uh, they were finding their supply chain was was running it's out. Right. And they just disrupted. They didn't You're have right. Any choice. They had to do it because they didn't that's, have any choice. <laughs> that's true. That is so true because this last kink in the supply chain has actually shown people that you know things are not as seamless as they they appear to be. You know, yeah. or or were. You know, so I mean, just I mean, think about the the run on toilet paper. You know, yeah. when the coronavirus broke out. Well, the thing was, I mean, people were just buying up stuff, water, 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 water. And it was like, okay, we're not at that point yet. (laughs) (laughs) This is not the apocalypse, you know, we'll get through it. We'll get through it. But to find, you know, even a roll of toilet paper and sanitizer was ridiculous. You could not find a can of Lysol. And then when it finally got in the shelf, I think it was like $8 a can. Absolutely. Like $2. That's what I'm talking. That's what I'm talking about. The price hikes were absolutely ridiculous. And I was like, okay. All right. So, you know, even though they want to blame it on the supply chain chain, I just don't think that it's that's the true story of all of it. It was it was an opportunity for companies to reset. Yes. Yes, absolutely. You know, and so I'm going to put it out there like that. Now, if somebody wants to come back and prove that that's untrue, I welcome them to our broadcast because there's a thousand one other, you know, questions that I have about, you know, how their products are being produced and, and, you know, what are they, what steps are they taking as far as protecting the ecosystem? And so, and and I'm going to throw this out there too, because I agree with you. If there's someone out there that could explain this to your Mm -hmm. average consumer, because I think that's what we are. So, well, these companies, if if what we're saying is not true, then I challenge them to come out and start educating the consumer about what's really going on, because Abs- that's that's not happening. Uh, we're Absolutely. not everybody is not everybody's watching the news. Not everybody is surfing the internet. Internet. Not everyone is reading a newspaper. They're just going about their business, and all they see when they go to the grocery store is, mm-hmm. "Oh my gosh, this used to be two dollars, and now it's five. And my right. my salary hasn't gone up. I didn't win the lottery. Right. So what the heck's going on? So you know, tell us what's really going on. If if that if what we're describing is not true, mm-hmm. then by golly, start educating the consumer in a really easy way, and make Absolutely. sure everybody knows." Absolutely. Because you and I both know 
that most of the things that we talk about on this podcast, it will not be televised. That's right. It's not going to be televised. So so continue to listen. Continue to listen. And this was a great conversation, Jay. I'm so glad to have our listeners with us today so that we can actually talk about microplastics and plastics and and, and what is being done and what's not being done and just our general opinion of, of the whole industry of, of packaging and plastics. Thanks so much, everyone. Mm-hmm.